everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Umbrella Academy. Today we'll be covering the final episodes of The Umbrella Academy. We'll be recording we'll be covering episode nine, Changes, and the tenth episode, White Violin. I like it. I like it. Um, super excited to get to these final two episodes of the Umbrella Academy because wowzers, uh, what a couple of great episodes. Um, but first, Sean's going to allow me a moment to talk about my adventure this weekend. Um, for those that didn't know and didn't see on social media, I got to go to Walker Stalker Chicago this past weekend um, and co-moderate the Haunting of Hill House panel with a good friend of mine, Paik. Um, I've known Paik for a little while and we had an opportunity to co-moderate. He's a huge, huge fan of that show. Um, and of course, we here at Strange Indeed are huge fans because, you know, Sean and I covered Haunting of Hill House when it was released on Netflix and we loved it, right? Oh, it was a great show. One of my so, favorites so that we've good. covered. Absolutely. One of my favorites that we've covered. I could, I would watch it again and again, but I would have to emotionally have my heart ripped out every single time. <laughs> so I can't watch it. But anyway, um, so on the panel were the two youngest, the two twins that played um, young Luke Crane and young Violet, or sorry, her name's Violet McGraw in real life, um, young Nellie Crane. So Violet McGraw plays Nellie and Julian Hilliard played um, young Luke Crane. And then Henry Thomas, who played young Hugh, um, was also on there. And of course, we all know Henry Thomas as well from his childhood acting days of E.T. He was Elliot and E.T. So right then and there, he's got me. And it was so amazing to meet Henry Thomas. I had to go introduce myself um, at his um, booth first before we did the panel. I always like to kind of introduce people or myself to people if I'm going to like do a panel or something at one of those cons because um, – I feel like it's you get a nice little rapport, yeah. you know, and it makes things a little bit smoother and easier if you know and friendlier when you're on the panel instead of just strangers. Um, but I also told him when I met him, I'm like, um, I just want to introduce myself so I can like fangirl here at your booth <laughs> and not when we're on stage and I don't look silly in front of everyone. And he really laughed and enjoyed that. He was very gracious to take a couple of moments, um, you know, out of his time there to, you know, just kind of us just talk for a moment and kind of get to know each other. Um, we had a meetup on Saturday night and while we were there at the restaurant there at the bar, the two kids were over there with their parents, just like a few tables away. And, um, I went over and asked the parents, I was like, is it okay if I introduce myself to your kids? I was like, I'm co-moderating their panel and I don't want them to, you know, make me think or have them think of me as like a stranger. You know, it might make them easier if they're more comfortable with me and they get to know me before the panel. And they were absolutely gracious. They said, oh yes, absolutely great idea. So Paik and I introduced ourselves. He had met them earlier in the day. I hadn't met them yet. And we got to talk with them. They were playing with toys at the table. They were just absolutely delightful, delightful children. I mean, just as beautiful as you can imagine, sweet little Nellie and sweet little Luke Crane that you see on the screen. They're exactly that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they were amazing little children and super sweet and kind and gracious. Um, so we introduced ourselves, talked to them for a few minutes. The next day, um, along with Henry Thomas, whenever we introduced ourselves, we went over to the kids' tables. They were right next to Henry's. And we went over there and said, hi, how are you guys doing? Are you really excited for the panel today? Um, 
they said, yeah, we can't wait. We're so excited. We're having so much fun. And then um, little Violet and I were playing catch with this little toy. Someone had given her a cute little stuffed toy. Oh, sweet. Um, for Because it was Easter um, that day on that Sunday, um, just this week. So we were playing catch and... Um, little Julian was wearing like a bowler hat. Like he <laughs> nice. was, yeah. yeah, like he did, like the one that he got whenever he was in, um, in Haunting of Hill House from the bowler man ghost, tall man. And um, he was running around with that. And the, the kids were just great. It was their first panel. Um, the kids were great. I'm trying to find some clips um, to show you guys um, on our um, Instagram and Facebook. So whenever I'm able to get those copied over, if you guys want to see a couple clips, I'd love to share those because the, the kids were just absolutely fantastic and they made the panel. Awesome. They, it might have been their first panel, but you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to tell it at all because they were just ruling that stage and they owned it and they made the audience just laugh the entire time. And Henry was really great because when there were audience questions, sometimes folks weren't like they couldn't hear the questions very well, or maybe mm. they didn't fully understand what the question was or meant. So Henry would look at the kids when they were, and they kind of look at him like, we didn't hear the question or what, what, what are they asking? Cause maybe they didn't understand and he would explain to uh-huh. them. So it was really cool to see him kind of, play that father role like he did in the TV show. And it was just really super sweet. I'm not sure how long they shot that, but yeah, I bet he kind of was almost like a semi-father figure while they're on set. So that's kind of cute that that seems like it just wasn't an on-screen kind of thing. Yeah, they seem to have, and and I don't know how long ago, because it came out last October-ish around Mm. Halloween or something. So I don't know when they filmed or how long or anything like that. But it's it's good to see that they still feel that closeness to him, even though it was, you know, however long ago when they were working together, um, you know, and he's playing their father and they're the children, that they still look to him, Mm -hmm. you know, like for help and guidance. And he was very sweet with them and was explaining the question to them so they could understand better and it was just the best experience of my life That's and cool. I have our godfather Jason um, from Podcastica to thank for the opportunity um, of inviting me to come do that because it was just fantastic I'm so glad to do it and um, next time Betty I I'm going to drag yeah. you with me <laughs> get up to that. sounds like a lot of fun the only question I have which I'm sure the joke's been made more than once how many hidden ghosts did you see on the panel <laughs> Thank God we didn't see any. <laughs> we didn't see any. If I could have um, timed it right, I could have dressed up as the bowling man and just walked out on stage without telling any of you guys. Just oh like walked gosh. in the back. If you wanted to see a good laugh and see me running screaming <laughs> from the side of the stage, that would have done it. Because um, those hidden ghosts in that show Oof. still get me. And they were definitely popular with the crowd. They were very much into asking questions about, um, you know, uh, the hidden ghosts and they made it a really great experience for the kids because they got to eat lunch with the hidden ghosts. They got to see them get their makeup done. Oh, cool. the actors that played the ghosts and, um, and the not so hidden ghosts, like the ghosts that were full on screen. Um, and then also the hidden ones. So it, it made it a good environment for the kids. It's not like the kids were scarred for life yeah. by seeing the things that they saw. They made it very kid friendly. So the kids were not, not traumatized in any way. They vouched for that. They was like, we weren't scared. We, we liked those ghosts. We were taking pictures with them and stuff. So <laughs> they had a really great time, really great attitudes. They're just absolutely beautiful little children. And I, you know, am so excited to see what they do next because they're uber talented. Um, 
And also while I was there, I mentioned the Saturday night meetup. There's typically um, when Jason is um, at a, a con, he will have a meetup on Saturday night if he's able to, to do that. So I did get to meet some awesome listeners um, that, that listened to us. And it was really great meeting everyone. I want to thank everyone um, publicly f- again for all the beautiful, kind things um, that you said about our podcast. And I want to thank you again for listening. I got to meet some great people and thank you for sharing your time um, and taking the time to meet um, with all of us and hope to see you at the next one. Yeah. It's so awesome. Like you said, all the people you got to meet that listen to our show and listen to all the shows. It's so cool to actually mm-hmm. get out and see that, you know, these people that listen to our show and like seeing them and getting to meet them in real life. It's just really cool experience. And I'm looking forward to getting to try and do that maybe next year at some point in time. Yes. It's, it's, it's great. I, I'm not just blowing smoke up anyone's ass when I say that I love and appreciate all of you. Um, when I meet you, I'm going to hug you. If you're a hugger, if you don't want me to touch you, just say, hey, back off. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hug you and we're going to gush and we're going to nerd out about, you know, whatever favorite show that you've enjoyed that we've covered or something or just whatever you want to nerd out about. Um, I enjoy the hell out of it. So thank you all for all of your kind words. And it was awesome meeting you guys. And I love love all of you. And I hope to meet more and more of you. So anyway, I know that that took a lot longer than just a moment. So thanks for allowing me um, to just talk about that for a minute. Um, and with that being said, again, I'm really anxious to talk about this, these last two episodes, because what a hell of an ending. Nice little ride to the end. So why don't we start yeah. with, uh, with you? With, with What would you like to start talking about on these final two episodes of the Umbrella Academy? So I'm going to start off my top five. I want to talk about Luther. And, and and probably it goes expands a little bit more just into Luther. But I just have to say, like, WTF, what was he thinking um, that it would be a good idea to lock Vanya up? against her will. I just was so kind of pissed at that whole sequence when he decides to just kind of just decide for everyone. Like Luther just has decided he's the boss um, and that he thinks because he's like the number one um, out of the, you know, the kids, he's always like, well, I was the number one. And he's just, you know, it's like everybody, I guess, always used to kind of look up to him. And I guess in a way they still do because Everybody was, you know, against what he was doing and trying to talk to him and be like, you know, this isn't the right way. We need to talk to Vanya. You know, do you really think this is a great idea? And he keeps, you know, pushing his dominance and what he thinks is best. He grabs Allison and won't allow her to get past him to talk to Vanya. It really upset me that that's because I feel like what has lacked a lot in this series is communication. Mm-hmm. And it happens in a lot of series. This is the Umbrella Academy is definitely not the only series I think that's guilty of this. So many problems could be solved, and I guess maybe you wouldn't have a TV show then if this happened. Is if you would just freaking communicate, just talk. Like number five would all the time just be like, just never mind. You don't understand. You're not yeah. smart enough, and just be dismissive. And instead of like, how about you just communicate and tell people about what what's going to happen or or something. And the same thing with Luther. You know, when Vanya came back to the house, she was full of remorse of what she had done. She's clearly struggling with her powers. And maybe they could have said, hey, you're messed up. Maybe it would be best if you go back on your medication and maybe we can figure it out from there. You know, like maybe, you know, we can figure out a solution and kind of a meet in the middle kind of thing. But I feel like it doesn't do anyone any good when someone is really unstable to just lock them up and isolate them. 
and it basically confirms how alone she feels you know it's like you're you're just you're fueling that fire she's already feeling her entire life has felt separate and segregated and how she was always treated differently than the other kids and all that they do right here in this moment is just kind of confirm that and reinforce that for her which then we get what happens. So I was just really aggravated with that. I'm curious what you think about that scene or what your thoughts are about that whole um, sequence of events and what you think either could have been done differently or do you think there would have been any different um, end or something had they done something different? I think that, I mean, I definitely believe that Luther was acting out in kind of um, a vengeful uh, emotional way. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Allison is somebody I think he loves more than just a sister. Like they've got some kind of stronger love than just like a step sibling. Like a, they're, uh, they're in love with each other. Yeah. And which is still with, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> um, but with her almost dying, I think he felt that maybe not just a risk to her, but the rest of the family that, you know, here's Vanya who mm-hmm. has these powers that they don't know and don't understand. So it's kind of let's put her somewhere where she's safe and we're safe and then figure out what to do from here. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them would have thought that she would have had the power to break out of that thing. Cause that's where she was held when she was younger. So obviously they would think it'd be safe. I yeah. think locking her in there and when she wakes up, leaving her right then was not the right idea. I think at that point you're, you're trying to facilitate that conversation then because you know she's going to be scared because you know she, her brother just choked her and made her go unconscious, and then now she yeah. wakes up in this room. Uh, I actually thought at that point that Luther was going to try to kill her. In that I moment. did too. I thought um, he was going to like really uh, assassinate her there. And, and I mean, if you know that the world's going to end, and you know that she's probably the thing that causes it, it seems like maybe that's the right decision you would make. Because you know it's kind of you know. I don't know. I guess maybe it's not the right decision, but if you know, like this person is going to be the thing that causes the world to end, you know, would you kill them to stop that from happening? Would you take one life to save billions? I know like, uh, you know, the Avengers, they say we don't trade one life for another, but would Mm -hmm. you trade, trade one life for billions? I, you know, I don't know. That's a, that's a very tough question to ask. And I don't want to be the person to have to answer that. I'd never want to be in that position, but I, I don't know. The only other thing, like he says, if if they tried to have that conversation with her then, but what happens, you know, in Luther's mind, if you try to have that conversation and she doesn't want to, and she goes supernova at that point, then you've kind of lost all hope then too. So it's, it's a challenging thing to do. And I don't know if, I don't know if one way is better than the other, probably on a moral stance with like a sibling or, you know, a family member, probably talking out beforehand, but again, just, Mm -hmm. I'm not real sure. I was, I wasn't confused by it, but I just, it's one of those like quick judgment things that I don't know what you could do in that moment to make anything better. Right. Well, hindsight's always 2020, right? I mean, it always, it's always easy to look at it from the outside versus when you're actually in that moment trying to Mm -hmm. decide what's, what's, you know, best for everyone. And I don't even know, I'm trying to just like rack my brain and think if they even knew, because I thought it wasn't until the finale, the last episode that they really put together that Vanya was 
the cause. Like she is the one that starts the apocalypse and she's the reason that it happens. They just know what at that point in this episode, I think that she just has some uncontrollable, she's like super powerful and that she's un, she's not able to control it right now. Um, and she's clearly a little volatile because she did attack um, Allison and nearly kill her. Um, and then she has then killed Leonard. She yeah, she's killed him by this point, right? In that that episode. Um so and that's when she's just kind of like broken apart and she comes crying home. Um and I feel that Luther was a little bit like you said he had a very emotional reaction. It was like um it seemed like the only thing he cared about. This was like a pattern throughout the show. It was like he could give a shit about oh, Vanya's with a, a murderer. Oh well. Um oh you know, Klaus needs help or, oh, so-and-so needs, you know, needs help. It's like, he doesn't give a shit about anybody, but the minute Allison's involved, he's like all over it. Like, oh, Allison's doing this. So we need to go save her. Like when, when they find out that she's went after Vanya, now it's important because Allison's put her, you know, life out there. And then again, Allison is hurt here and he puts his feelings and his reaction, you know, goes into overdrive here when he, um, you know, chokes out Vanya and puts her in that thing. Now I can understand that maybe at first that's where you would maybe want to put her to kind of just for a moment, just make sure that she can't, that she, that like you can control the moment and then try to talk to her. Like it's too bad that there wasn't some sort of like intercom system or something. Cause yeah. it seemed like that they couldn't hear each other. It's like, okay, Vanya, we need you to just like chill for a moment. Um, what happened? You know, we love you. We're here. We support you. That's all she wanted. Yeah. That is all that she wanted was that love and support from her family that she never got in her childhood and that she didn't get through adulthood because it seems like when they grew up, they all split apart. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't communicate um, for all those years until um, Hargreaves died. So it's like that's all that she wanted, and that's what she was craving so much when she walked through those doors to Luther. And you could tell how much that meant to her when it seemed like he was opening up to her. And, of course, we know it was just like to trick her. Um, and that's what what is I think just did not need to happen. I just feel like if you used your brain for a moment, you need you can see that she needs understanding and she needs compassion. Um and that she's confused and, you know, she was out of control, but that she could probably learn to control. You know, it's not like she's just now dealing with her powers after having all of this suppressed for so long. She finds out how much she was manipulated by their father, how much she was lied to, how she was treated so differently and not special um, because she didn't have powers. I use that in quotation marks. Um and then all of a sudden to come into your powers, and that has to be very overwhelming. It has to be very scary. Um, and to deal with emotions that are probably, because her powers are emotionally driven, that her, I think, is that's what that medicine was doing, was suppressing her emotions. So her emotions are like more heightened than what they've ever been. It's probably like almost being like hormonal or something um, when you're just kind of out of control. And it just, it just ticked me off because I'm like, just have some compassion. She's your sister. Yeah, I think the failure and all that, it's, it's like if you have somebody you know that's self-destructive and they're in a, a state where you're very concerned, you're not going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, well, you stay in this place, your apartment, and we'll come back and check on you later. You're probably going to have somebody there on a watch for an exterior yeah. period of time. Like, you're not going to leave them alone. I think that was the big failure here. Now, 
if Luther was concerned that one of the other family members was going to let her out, he should have stayed down there. Mm-hmm. And that, like you were saying, have that communication with her, you know, even if it's just notes on the, the window or right. surely there had to be an intercom system, but at least being able to write to her to tell her what's going on. Right. Or, or like you said, if even someone could have sat there with her, um, like, okay, fine, we won't let her out, but we won't make her feel so damn alone. Because that room looks uber creepy. Yeah. There's zero sound. I mean, it's completely soundproof, so that way she's not able to harness her powers. I mean, clearly we we saw that that didn't really work in the end, because um, she was able to use the sound of her heartbeat um, to be able to harness her powers and, and generate the energy to break open the door. Um, but it's because they locked her up and made her feel isolated, made her feel alone, and just reinforced all of those feelings that she kind of talked herself into, you know, that yes, this is true. They, you know, all of these feelings that you feel are correct and they don't love you or care for you, that she wasn't able to do that. I feel like they could have somehow calmed her down and said, you know what, we just need to figure this out. You've got some powers going on here that we need to figure out how to control, you know, but we love you and we're going to support you. We'll stay here with you and we're, we're going to figure it out. I feel like I don't know if it would have changed the outcome or not because they, they said that it was going to happen no matter what. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like that's your sister. Mm. You're supposed to, you know, love and care and support for one another. And that just, it just pissed me off that Luther just wouldn't allow all of that to happen. And he was, you know, you know, just pissing his dominance all over the place. Just irritating. (laughs) I hope in season two they address that because it seems like that would be something that after, you know, basically getting to use time travel to, to retry you know, to reboot uh, this whole thing that you would feel as the leader that you failed in this moment and understand that, you know, you, you let emotion take a hold of you. But like I said, I don't think that's something they should gloss over. I hope they've really focused on that in next season yeah. of the show. I hope so too, because it would be some good, um, cause there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, Klaus, I feel had the best arc, Mm-hmm. You know, and like if there was any real development, it was definitely from Klaus. And that's pretty good. I mean, I know that there was like technically like nearly 10 hours of TV um, in this. Um, so that's way more than a movie. But it's also we're talking eight days. Not too many people have a lot of growth, um, you know, in eight days. So, you know, I, I'll give it to most of the characters for not really developing that far or being able to have much of an arc. But Klaus really did. Um so that was enjoyable, of course, because we all know I love Klaus. So I guess I can't fault them too much for him being the exact same way. I'm talking about Luther here being the exact same way, like this man-child uh, from beginning to end of this um, the season. So, yeah, I'm like you. I hope that they address that a little bit. I hope that he'll have some growth um, in the next season to come. So anyway, that was a really long number five. I didn't mean for it to go on that long, but it, just, it really just aggravated me because I'm just like, just— Talk, people, yeah, and have some compassion. <laughs> Number one thing in relationships is communication. That's right, and that's whether it's personal, family, siblings, whatever. Open your damn mouths, people. <laughs> anyway, I want to hear your number five. I've said enough. All right, so my number five ties into a little bit of that, but it's post when Vanya gets out, and I want to talk a little bit about evil Vanya's look. Oh, yeah. Now, I haven't been a big fan of Ellen Page in this series. I feel like she's mm-hmm. she's the most veteran actress actor in this series, or at least the most yes. notable. But I feel like she's kind of been the most 
vanilla, I guess, for lack of a better. 100%. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the character that she wanted to portray or if it's just kind of her delivery on things or the choices she made or how she was directed to make cho- make the choices she made. Right. But when she was Evil Vanya, the look that they had with the the, you know, kind of the pale skin, the eyes that were, you know, the contact to, to make her eyes look all funky, mm-hmm. it, it really reminded me a lot of in Buffy the Vampire, Willow goes evil at some point. And it's just that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like you see this like just kind of normal, everyday person, all of a sudden, boom, they're like in this creepy, like almost again, a phoenix kind of thing. That's kind of what we've compared it to a lot. Yeah. But you know, getting to see her transformation there and her using the power, you know, she's walking out, she's going from room to room and seeing, you know, events that reminded her of how she felt, you know, not cared about or how people were telling her to get out of the room or making fun of her. And she's just blowing stuff up, using all these crazy mind powers. And even at the very end, she's on stage, she's playing the violin and she's playing so hard, everything on her and the violin turns to white. Yes. And it was just a cool, cool, like, view, a cool walkthrough. Like, this is something that would have been cool if it happened, like, episode six, and you're getting, like, this evil Vanya, you know, battle between these guys instead of just one episode. I understand it, but um, I thought it was just kind of cool to get to see her look in this as she becomes evil Vanya. Yes, I agree with all of that. I've had some gripes about Vanya as well throughout the the series. And maybe, like you said, maybe she's playing it that way because that's the character. That's how they've directed her to. Maybe that's what she felt she needed to put into that role um, as Vanya. I'm not sure. I, I typically uh, always enjoy Ellen Page, um, especially if you guys have ever seen Juno. I just, I love the movie that's, Juno. That's her first big movie, right? I think it was like her first really big well-known, is like what really kind of put her out there. I, I, honestly cannot say for sure if she had roles before that um but that's what i've known her from when she kind of got into mainstream even though juno wasn't considered a mainstream movie it kind of became you know like a cult favorite a mainstream movie because it was so well acted and just funny and it was different um so i i really enjoyed that my kid and i both really enjoyed juno back when it came out um so, I mean, I, you know, I've been a fan of hers and I, you know, she was in Inception, which Inception is one of my all time favorite movies. I just could watch it all the time. Um, it gets me every time. Um, so I've enjoyed her. So I was a little bit disappointed with, I guess, her lack um, of, you know, how it took so long to get to that. Like you said, we, we, it would have been super cool to see some of maybe just even some tricklings of her power, even before we got to it. Or, you know, it just felt like it just stayed this, it went from one extreme to another. Yeah, it was like it's the like worst she was, kept secret in, in Umbrella Academy. It's like, okay, she's going to yeah. be the one with the power. Exactly. I mean, we were pretty much calling that from like the first or second episode, yeah. right? When they were talking about how ordinary she was and you and I are looking at each other like, yeah, right. Yeah. She's not going to be, she, she might, they might think that she's not ordinary. We know that. So it, it, that was irritating. And I felt like a little bit of her was over the top just a little bit with her reactions. Yeah, I agree to that. Again, maybe that's how it was supposed to be because, like I said, she's went from one extreme to another. It seems like whatever medication she was on was being very suppressive of her emotions because if she became too emotional or volatile, her powers, that's, you know, when her powers would get out of control. Um, So then, of course, being free of that medication and, and feeling all those emotions at once was maybe overwhelming. So maybe that's how it was supposed to be as well. But 
I, I, str- I struggled with that as well, but seeing her transformation uh, with her eye color changing was, I think, and even though she really didn't speak, you know, it's like she didn't speak yeah. at yeah, all really when anything. she was like full, you know, cause she almost looked possessed, Yeah, you know, like this, it, it's, and, and we, we, we talk about it a lot, like with Jean Grey and Dark Phoenix, you know, that she just like this other being almost takes her over with her eye color changing and this force of nature that she becomes. Um, and then when she's back in her apartment and she changes into that suit, I mean, I don't know too many people that can rock a suit as well mm-hmm. as Ellen Page does. That was she looked outstanding. And then when she's on stage and in full mode and the power just really consumes her and it turns her white, her violin white, her suit and everything and her eyes are just glowing. She looked amazing. And I feel like these last two episodes were just like some of the best. Um of the series with, with all of that. It was amazing to see. It was amazing to finally see that transformation. Um, so I'm with you. It was, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. But yep, that's my number five is some evil Vanya. Like it. I liked evil Vanya better than stale, um, <laughs> stale Vanya in the beginning. Um, my number four, I want to talk a little bit about Leonard slash Harold. I'm not even really sure what to call him at this point, um, who he was for sure. Um, I have to say, I wasn't entirely satisfied with how it played out, um, that ending with him and how he died. I don't know really what I would have preferred more. It's not like I would say, oh, well, I would rather he died this way. Um, but I think that I would have liked if if maybe he had sacrificed himself, because I don't think he did. I think that he, when he was in that moment and he's taunting her and I am looking at, I'm like, you are an idiot. What is wrong with you? You know that that's going to trigger her and her emotions and then therefore her power. I don't know if he was just thinking she loves me. She's not going to kill me. Or if he was just because he's a psychopath himself that he was so frustrated because we saw him get frustrated with her before when she wouldn't focus, you know, her powers or she wouldn't want to practice her powers and she wanted to go practice the violin instead. He would, you know, you would see all of these moments how he would get frustrated and fed up with her. And this seemed to be the final moment. So I don't know if this was another level of frustration that was coming out and he just finally kind of snapped because he is a psychopath. Um, and that he just had a moment and just lost it and was taunting her, not thinking that she would kill him. Um, but I think I would have liked, so I don't think he expected her to kill him, but I think I would have liked it better um, if he was taunting her and ultimately sacrificing himself just so she could make that complete transformation. Does that make yeah, sense? What do you think about that? I like that too, That because it, it does feel like, so my number three is is the death of Leonard. I thought the death of Leonard, how how it happened, was really cool. It was very much kind of like a sandstorm in the kitchen with knives, where it was only mm-hmm. affecting the kitchen. And you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was expecting Leonard to play a bigger part in her becoming what she was. Right. But in that moment, he was just kind of pushing her and pushing her and pushing her, and she just killed him. You know, just pushed her over the edge, and she did what she needed to do. 
But really, I mean, you kind of look at the arc of his dad, Leonard's dad, was the same way. He kept pushing Leonard, pushing Leonard, pushing Leonard until Leonard hit his breaking point and then he killed his dad. Yeah. Very similar thing here. He's pushing her hard. He's kind of controlling her. It's a very abusive relationship from his side. And he's probably thinking in his mind, he's like, I've got her in the, you know, the palm of my hand. I've got this time bomb in my hand. You know, I can use it to, you know, get back at the people that, you know, hurt me. And she didn't play that. And she ended up going over the edge and causing his death. But it was, I agree, very uh, not satisfying because, again, we had this big arc with Leonard from basically episode one. Yep. All the way to this thing where he's like, he's this kid who's obsessed with these people. You know, he gets out of jail after killing his dad and he stumbles upon this book and he, stu- you know, he gets with uh, Vanya and like, like, you feel like he should be like the Magneto in this. Like he should be like the main bad guy. But yeah. now he's gone and it just, it didn't matter. And even like you go even further back, like there's a fake eye. They, right. fa- they found a fake eye in this that was Leonard's, and that whole piece of the story is completely non-story now. Because, yeah, yeah, and the way they the way they threw that in there when Five comes in and he's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He pulls the eye out of his pocket mm-hmm. and pops it in Leonard's socket, and he's like, oh, we've got- we knew that. I don't yeah. know why they really needed to have that moment because I'm pretty sure no one watching that show doubted yeah. For a moment that that was not Leonard's eyeball and why they kind of needed to have that Cinderella moment of yeah, the eyeball or the, the I eyes. think it would have been better if it didn't fit and you put in a different character as that's who the eye belonged to. Because, I mean, now we're on yeah. this complete different storyline because it, it happened at the the concert hall. So it didn't happen like they expected it to. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a completely different timeline. Um, but, yeah, I agree. That was a little bit non-satisfying. His death itself was really cool, and I thought it was a really yeah. like it, it was like probably one of the better deaths I've seen in like a comic book type movie or show. Yeah, uh, but the overall arc of Leonard, I'm I'm kind of unsatisfied with it, and I hope since they're going back in time, you know, we're going to see Leonard be that big bad because he's going to be alive as they go back in time. So hopefully, he still True. plays a big part in season yeah. two. You never know. I guess there could be some changes. We don't know where they went or what is planned or anything like that since it was kind of left in the air. But yeah, his actual death, I didn't mind. It was just the whole way it played out. It would just felt unsatisfying. And um, I just wasn't satisfied with the whole storyline. And I was just like, that's it. He's dead. I don't know that that wrapped up the way that I wanted it to with his whole death and such, but the actual death was pretty cool. You know, and he's taunting her and she finally just lifts him up and he's stabbed by every, you know, spoon on the wall and knife in the drawer and things like that. That was super cool. It was definitely, like I said, we keep comparing her to Jean Grey, but that's kind of like what she reminds me of. If you've watched, um, you guys are fans of um, the X-Men, which I've been a huge fan of since I was a little kid um, with the comics and um, I was watching the animated um, X-Men back in the day, um, one of my favorites. So um, that's where we draw a lot of those comparisons. But I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you kind of shared that because I thought, well, maybe I'm just being an ass. So what is your number four? Uh, my number four will be kind of short and sweet. Uh, I thought they were going to play a little bit more into this, but at the beginning of the final episode, we see Hargreaves, old Hargreaves with a lady that looks like it's his wife who's passing away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she passes away. There's a whole violin piece. It's kind of like, okay, that's going to be a big part of this episode. He walks over, he releases, you know, all these things that float out into the atmosphere, which I'm guessing 
would be the what the forty one things, forty three things that create these superheroes. But I don't even know. Yeah, but there's nothing. I'm so confused. And as you're looking out too, you're seeing like (laughs) rockets take off. I know. And so I'm like, okay, like this is interesting. Like, what's going on here? Like, you know, is this kind of like a you know, man in the high castle type of thing. Like, but then he's, it's like 18 something and he walks into the umbrella company, which is going to be the umbrella Academy. But yeah. Then nothing else with that. I know. I, I think he's, I don't know because well, I don't know anything, but I think he's like an alien or something. Well, yeah. Well, was that even Hargreaves <laughs> or is that his dad or like, yeah. Are you saying is he like some kind of immortal? I, I think uh, he's like an alien so, yeah, with all that weird stuff that was happening and he escapes to earth or something and so you're thinking, you see this whole immigration thing happening yeah. so and, you think he wasn't on earth when he uh, left like ships were leaving a different planet and coming here i i don't know i it, it's what it seemed like but honestly i watched it twice and i'm just like i was as confused the second time as i was the first time and i'm like i can't even begin to figure this out. And I've tried to do, I haven't read the comics. so I haven't went so far as to look at the source material. If it's there in the comics, if there are answers there, I've tried not to dig too deep, but um, because I don't really want to, because I don't know what they're going to base season two off of. I don't know how much of the comic or how much source material they have for season two. So I really don't want to be spoiled by what could happen. So I'm afraid of digging too deep, but what little I read, people seem to believe he was an alien, but that isn't anything Substantial is, is just people speculation, which is which a made really sense. cool idea. Like, but I wish it would ex, like expanded on that a little bit. You know, maybe cut <sighs> a, a little, little bit of yeah. the the cha cha and Hazel stuff in this episode, so we could see that, or maybe cut some of the other stuff from previous episodes. And because I I'd like to see that, I like to see like a very Superman type thing. Like I had to escape to Earth, and I released all these things that could create superheroes. And the day I landed. Or, you know, a couple of years after I landed is when these things made it to Earth and created all these alien babies that are actually my kids. Like they could have that could have been his seed. You know, I don't <laughs> put my seed in a cup that glows. I mean, if your seed glows in a cup, you probably should go see a doctor. You should be tested for radioactivity. <laughs> <laughs> but like that would have been an interesting story. Like, you know, because we always talk about. Well, actually, no, strike that from the record, because that makes Vanya or uh, Alyssa. And uh, Luther's relationship even more creepy. That makes it yeah. more Game of Throny. But, yeah, you know, like blood relative. Yeah, but it, you know, like there, there's a lot of story there that we don't know. And I know. It was we such- should have been given a little bit more than in just this episode. They should I have agree, had yeah. a few because this was like a cold open for for that episode. So we should have had a couple. It doesn't have to be every episode, but maybe a few other episodes, a cold open with that. Yeah. Sprinkled in just to give you a little bit more. I don't know if I needed a 100% answer, but I just felt like it was so different than you know, we we get absolutely nothing on Hargreaves like the entire yeah. time. We don't know. He's just like this reclusive billionaire who's adopted these kids. He's an asshole father. Uh, it seems like he's tried to do good, but his, sometimes his execution doesn't always come across, and he's not very compassion, compassionate or sympathetic. 
Um, and we know nothing about him except for in these just few seconds that we get in that cold open and you're just sitting here going, what? Yeah. And if anyone has any thought, I would love to hear some feedback or if any listeners want to write in either your own theories, if you have a definitive answer, maybe at this point, I don't give a shit about being spoiled. Maybe I just want to know what the hell is up with Hargreaves and what or who he is. Well, my fear like is that. it felt like one of those, it felt like a very throwaway scene that we could get into season two and like at the very end of season two, they might reference it a little bit. And you'd be like, oh yeah, that thing happened. It's like when you get super drunk and like you remember the next morning, like, oh shit, did I, did I get on stage and take my pants off? <laughs> oh God, I yes. did. Didn't I? Let's just ignore that. <laughs> Let's forget that. Let's retcon it. It never happened. Answers always yes. <laughs> but it was it like it very much sparked my fancy because like alternate history stuff is always kind of really interesting to me, and that's kind of what it looked like it was doing there. But again, yeah. not much to it at all. Kind of throwaway. But again, maybe a season two thing we can look forward to. But uh, my number I four guess. again is just kind of that past Hargreaves that we got to see. I like that, but man, it, it kind of just frustrated me because uh, I'm like, don't leave crap dangling just to get me to watch season two and at that time they didn't even know that it was i mean we just got like two three weeks ago maybe that season two was even renewed this series came out sometime in february here we are in the middle of april and they've just decided to renew it so you know when they wrapped it they didn't know there would be a season two so it's you know, don't leave me dangling just in case there's a season two. I don't know if I needed 100% answers, but I feel like I needed just a little bit more than just this little, you know, 30-second cold open that just even scratching my head even more. I felt it left me even more clueless as to who he is um, than than what we already had or didn't have, I should say. But it, I'm glad that you brought that up anyway because I did want to talk about it. Um, so that goes into my number three. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about Hazel a little bit. Hazel, second to Klaus, is my favorite character. Um, Klaus will always be my ruling number one, probably no matter what, um, no matter how many seasons there are, and as long as he's in the show. Um, But I really love Hazel, and maybe it's because the actor that plays him was also a, a character that I loved in Mindhunters um, in the series, uh, Netflix series. He played Ed, Ed Kemper. Again, I can't recommend that show enough. You guys will love, um, well, I would hope, love Ed Camper. Um, but anyway, I was kind of surprised that Hazel and Cha-Cha were still at odds um, at the end. Um, but I think I like it better that they weren't. I guess I kind of expected that because they seemed like good partners, had a falling out. I thought, oh, they'll probably come back at the end. They'll have, you know, their like, oh, yeah, sorry. We were just doing our job. We're still we're still co-assassins and we're buddies. Um, but I think I like it better that they weren't. And I liked that he shows up at the Umbrella Academy to help stop the apocalypse. I liked his whole conversation that he had with number five. Um, you know, when he's he you know, five opens the door and Ed or I'm gone, call him Ed Kemper, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Hazel has the gun pointing at him. And he continues to walk through the house with it. And he's like, so are you here to kill me or what? And he's like, oh, sorry, you know, old habits. And he puts it away. Um, and then he's like, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you. You're legendary. This, you know. Kind of fanboyed over him. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of had this moment. He's like, oh, your your uh, mission there was legendary. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you. And, of course, number five isn't having any of it. He's just like, why are you here? Um, and I thought it was just really noble because he – 
he felt he had, you know, with that's what he needed to do in that moment for um, him and Agnes because he really wanted that time with with Agnes and that he knew that this apocalypse was happening and there was nothing that they could do. But he's like, well, I'm going to go try to help because if if I can stop it, then that means we get to do what we want to do together and go places that, that they can have this whole road trip thing that they have planned. Um, so I really liked all of that. Um, but then of course that kind of fell apart because then, um, you know, um, you know, cha-cha's back at the hotel, which she was still pretty pissed off. So there was no getting, you know, those two seeing eye to eye anymore. Um, and then of course they, he kind of, you know, when they're kind of thrown back together to, um, on that last final mission and he kind of has her thrown out of the car when he crashes it into that, I don't know what those things are called, the concrete thingy. Um, and she goes flying. Um, I just, I liked all of that. Hazel, I thought was just really great. I thought he had an, I liked his story. I liked, you know, the. I mean, it might be a, like a familiar trope and not really new, but I, you know, this whole burnt out assassin wanting a different life, um, I just liked all of that. I thought he was very likable. Um, and I liked how I didn't really like him in the beginning, but I liked him there at the end. So I like it whenever I kind of get switched on characters like that. And, um, so I just wanted to kind of mention him for a moment. Do you have any thoughts about any of that? No, like you had mentioned, it was kind of cool that, uh, you know, Klaus had a really good story arc. And I think Hazel did as well. So it was kind of cool to see yeah. multiple characters get that good overall arc. Yeah. Good to, good to see something a little bit different, um, you know, and have, you know, differences and then kind of coming together at the end and that he actually wanted to do some good. Um, and I thought it kind of made him kind of relatable where he's just like, you know, when it, he just wanted a simple life and how can he fault anyone for that? Um, and just wanted to have some peace. He feels like, you know, Hey, I've spent all my time killing people. I just want to go watch some birds. Let the man watches birds. For anyway, sure. what's your number three? All right. So my number three uh, was just the uh, death of uh, Leonard. So we already kind of talked about that. So I think uh, I'm ready for your number two. Right. Number two. Well, my number two is the white violin. We kind of talked about Vanya a little bit. And as we predicted, because um, you and I have talked about it from probably very early on, I can't pinpoint the exact episode, um, but we predicted pretty early on that Vanya starts the apocalypse. But not only did she start the apocalypse, she actually becomes the supervillain in this show, which I thought was kind of interesting. I wasn't really thinking about her, like just her power somehow causing it, but that she would actually become the supervillain. And that transformation, um, as we talked about earlier, was really great. And number five told the rest of the siblings that no matter what they did, the apocalypse was always going to happen. But I still feel, I don't know, I just feel, I can't shake it out of my head that if they'd handled things just a little bit differently, that they could have turned Vanya around. Um, I don't know. I just have that. I don't know. I just feel like with some compassion, they could have maybe you know, because then if, if, if she's not using her powers and that's what causes it, but they're able to calm her and reason with her and show her that, 
that she wouldn't have done that and they could have prevented it. But he keeps insisting that it was going to happen anyway. Um, and then Klaus again was right. He said it when they had her locked up and he's, he's feeling so compassionate towards her. He's like, you know, he knows exactly how she's feeling. They've locked her up in this room. He was locked in a crypt. Oh yeah. You know, Hargreaves locked him up when he was 13 in this crypt with freaking ghosts, you know, that he sees constantly. And that was like a form of torture. Also, he is Klaus kind of developed now that he's been sober for a couple of days has seemed to have developed a little extension of his power. Not only can he see ghosts, but Ben, their sibling that is always kind of hanging around, um, he was able to, what did he call him? Did he said, did you Patrick Swayze? Yeah, you Patrick Swayze me. me. That's my number two <laughs> is, uh, is Ben to the rescue. Because we do see like, we see Klaus kind of get the blue, you know, hands going and all of a sudden Ben with this crazy super octopus power yeah. gets to use that and starts tearing all these things apart. Um, yeah. Uh, I I think that that's because Klaus was always kind of the character. It's like his power is he can talk to the dead. Like what use is that? And he even mentions it like to this whole like end of the world stuff. He's like, well, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah. And we find out that he's got this extra power that he's never really gone to. And, you know, you think, I don't know how long or when he started becoming kind of non-sober, but you get to that point where he's kind of blocked his power, but now he's letting it go to the full potential. Somewhat like Vanya, who never let her power get to its full potential, and now she's opened up her mind to it, mm-hmm. getting off of drugs. Very similar story. And she's able to see the whole uh, ability with her power. Yeah, it's quite interesting how she was able to harness it in such a, a short amount of time. But but yeah, it was interesting... Um, I, I still don't know if I fully understand exactly. I, I, I guess it's useful, but we've only seen it, him be able to do this with Ben, which was certainly helpful, at least in that moment, since Ben's power was definitely different and very useful in this moment and seemed to be useful when they were kids, um, when he kind of unleashed and harnessed this demon-like thing from within himself um, to take out the bad guys. Um so, you know, Klaus is really empathizing with her in that moment. And, you know, he's like, we should talk to her, you know, think of how she's probably feeling and how she feels that she's got this new power that she doesn't quite know what to do with. And it's kind of uncontrollable. And, you know, and he, you can see that. And I'm like, yes, listen to Klaus. You know, he's not, I hated that he kept getting dismissed as the junkie brother. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, yeah, that's his history. But does anyone take the time to understand why? He does the drugs, um, and, you know, when he's looking for drugs in this episode, you know, Ben, he's like, what are you doing? Or no, sorry, not Ben, but Five. It's like, what are you doing? And, you know, he's like, looking for drugs. And he's just like straight up like, I'm looking for drugs. I am not hiding it anymore. Um, And he's, you know, looking all over for a hidden stash that he has somewhere. And it's like, does anybody even take the time to ask Klaus why he feels the need to numb himself and maybe talk to him and say there's got to be a better way to deal with with seeing these ghosts, there's got to be a way to handle it. There's got to be a way to control it. There's got to be a way to maybe tune them out. So they're not yapping at you all day or they're not surrounding you at all times, or there's got to be a way to silence them or something. Um, they're just like, Oh, and they just write him off. And it just makes me so angry because then that's kind of what they do with Banya too. Um, you know, and just lock her up and just fuels her feelings of being misunderstood and unloved and, 
Um, and then of course, again, with her costume and stuff, her eyes were awesome. Her costume was on point. I did look a little bit, um, at the, I didn't read the comics, but I, I guess somebody did like a comparison oh, of, cool. yeah, Vanya in the show of Ellen Page as the white violin. And then like the comic book drawing of the white violin. It is different. Um, they did have it all white. Like when she turns and like becomes fully the white violin in the comic, her costume is all white and the violin is white, but she's not in like the suit like Ellen Page was. I, I don't know whose idea it was to kind of switch that a little bit, but I think it was very on point and it definitely, you know, fit at this moment. Um, so I don't know. Again, we've already kind of talked a bit about that, but I just want to kind of mention a little bit about the comparisons, you know, with, with Klaus and even Diego who, you know, can, you know, be kind of hard headed and, you know, just kind of always shooting from the hip and not really doesn't seem to have too much compassion beyond what he sees as his own end for things. Um, even he was like, you know, this isn't right. We should talk to her and see what's going on. And I don't believe this. And Luther again with his, you know, man childness. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've talked that out. So that was my number two. Yeah. And my number two is kind of just the bend to the rescue piece. And again, I'm kind of curious with Klaus figuring out his power, how much more he can gain from that. You know, will he be able to gain, you know, some different abilities from other heroes that are gone or will he be able to harness, um, you know, other people that have passed away their skills? Like it seems like yeah. his, his power's got like a lot more potential. So again, a lot of things I've mentioned of kind of like what can happen in season two. And this is another mm-hmm. one, like what would the season two of this bring? Yeah, what can what else can Klaus do or how can he expand on what his powers can do? Cuz again, I'm like you, I as much as I love Klaus, I was always thinking like what good did it really do for him just to be able to communicate or conjure someone from the dead? What purpose does that serve the Umbrella Academy and how are they able to use that um versus some of the other powers that the other kids had? So it was kind of nice to see that he just wasn't able like he never got beyond the point of just being able to conjure and talk to the dead. He just went straight to trying to just suppress them um, and numb himself. He's like, I just want to be numb again, you know, um, trying to suppress that. So it's, you know, I love seeing him sober. I think he's just, I just think he's absolutely adorable. Um, And I I love Robert Sheehan. I think he's great. I did find the show I keep hearing so much about. People talked about this other series that he was in called Misfits. Mm-hmm. I guess it was, I don't know exactly where it originally aired, but it's all, I guess he's Irish originally. He's got a brilliant Irish accent that just drives me insane. Um, and it's like, it was, so it's a British sh- show um, and it's got like an 8.9 um, rating and it went up there somewhere in the 90th percentile somewhere on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's got really great ratings and good scores and good reviews. So I'm starting that show just to kind of see, I think he's only in like the first couple of seasons, but they compare his character Klaus a lot to his character in Misfits. Even the show, they say the shows are kind of similar, but his character is really kind of similar and he just looks adorable. I'm going to watch it or at least, you know, see, see where it goes. So, um, so anything else you want to say about your number two? No, uh, I'm ready to hear your number one from these final two episodes. <gasps> number one. Well, it's just simply the end as we know it. Um, I think that it was kind of 
either brave, courageous, I'm not sure, um, but definitely interesting that they spent the entire first season of the show talking about stopping the apocalypse. Like, this is what we need to do. The apocalypse is happening. We've got to stop it. We're going to stop it. We have to stop it. And instead of actually stopping it, it they actually allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so They kind of, I mean, even though it's not the same way, they kind of caused it still. They caused it, but, um, well, and I don't mean they as the Umbrella Academy, but like the, the powers that be, the showrunners, the writers uh-huh. oh, um, yeah. decided to be like, you know, okay, we talked about it the entire time. So it kind of leads you to think, well, they're going to stop it, right? They're going to find a way. It, Yeah, they're probably going to cut it to the very last minute. Like I was fully expecting like any minute, you know, there at the end that they're going to find a way to, you know, stop this from happening. Now, how did that, how does that continue on to season two? How do we get a season two out of that? I don't know, but you know, that's all they talked about. And you think, Oh, they're somehow going to pull it off, but they don't. (laughs) So I thought, well, now what? Um, that was interesting. Um, so I liked that it kind of threw me and it, it, it like, I like it I like it when shows kind of subvert my expectations. Mm -hmm. So I was fully expecting them to stop the apocalypse and then they didn't. So I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so when they get to the end, um, you know, five is able to harness his power to not only get himself to time jump, but he's able to take his siblings with him. They get out just in the nick of time. Um, where did they go? When did they go? Um, and I guess the, thing about we've talked about time travel and of course it scrambles my brain to think about it when you think about timelines and you know when they were talking about taking out certain people to keep the timeline you know where it needed to be that just kind of messes with my brain um but i guess the thing is if you do bring in time travel no matter how bad you screw up you can start over so i feel like that's kind of what they're doing here what do you think uh, well, this is my number one. Uh, I title it just in the nick of time, which you kind of just stated. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of the same idea where, you know, you see, you know, you see the, them stop her. She shoots her nuclear bomb to the moon. And yeah. to me, I thought when it hit the moon, like Luther would have done something up to that fixed it. Like it, I thought the whole tie in was going to be Hargreaves right. sent him there. What he did there that stopped His- it from ending the world years on the moon yeah you know what's it uh, was it for something <laughs> but i love like this felt very umbrella academy like the theme of the show is like okay we see this big ass rock coming towards the earth it's mm-hmm. like well we're all gonna die and then number five's like well wait what if we try this and they're like well, screw it we're in like what do we have to lose like you know you vaporize us well we're gonna get vaporized anyway uh but what i loved is that as they're Getting ready to time travel, they do a full circle, and you see them all as being old. You get back to number five, and then you start to see them back as kids like they were at the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I did like that. And what I like about that, too, is because wherever they go, I'm hoping Ben will be back alive and not a ghost because he was kind of oh. holding on. Um, and you're going to see you know all of them back as kids. So it'd be kind of cool if they kind of intersect it kind of like a – you know, like almost like an it, like you see a little bit from when they're kids, like re going through this and as adults on how they're trying to handle this situation. That would be interesting because we still, Ben is still kind of a mystery. I, I've learned a little bit about his, I don't fully understand it, but I've learned a little bit about his power just by reading up on it just a little bit. Cause I'm like, I don't understand what the hell he does. And the poor guy's dead by the time we really meet him. Um, so we don't know how he died you know, or anything like that, how he managed to die. Um, 
So it would be interesting to kind of get more more on that as well. I feel like there's a lot of an- unanswered questions. But yeah, so do you think that when they go into season two, maybe they'll start as or as kids and kind of reverse number five? Because number five was like an old man and then yeah. came back I you hope know, so. as a kid. Like, I hope you get them as kids again. You get Hargreaves back. Um, you know, Maybe they're the only ones that know how the world will end. Vanya probably wouldn't. <clears throat> So they're going to be trying to talk Hargreaves in, into not giving her drugs to to stifle her power. Um, do you get that because she learns these powers at a younger age, she becomes like this really bad, super bad because now she's got all this time to grow or she does she stay good? Lots of directions they can go with it, but um, I mm-hmm. hope we see a lot of them as being younger um, just because I, I think that'd be kind of cool to see. You know, they like said, how did Ben die? You know, we could see, you know, maybe he averts that death in this this round. And, you know, the other hmm. things they changed that kind of caused that butterfly effect to still lead into what happened. Right. Yeah. And it's like I said, it, when you throw time travel in any type of storyline like this, you can always throw out there that like, well, we can just start over. We're just going to go back. Yeah. And- start over so i don't know if they'll go back to different time as maybe when they were kids to like you said you know before ben has died and before so much of the bad things that happen with them happen and they're able to and i wonder if they'll be able to take like are they going to be like ben is the gosh what was he in his 50s travels back into time and somehow he's reverted back to his 13 year old self um, and the other kids are adults. Are they all going to be their adult consciousness oh. in their children's bodies, like Ben? Is, or sorry, I keep saying Ben, like a number five is. What happens if they only go back eight days and their older and younger selves are there? <laughs> oh, that would be so weird. Yeah. That'd be so weird. I don't know. I I really liked the ending. I thought it was a good twist i didn't expect it but i thought well that was one way to end it and to make sure that we are all kind of hoping for a second season good or bad at least to get an answer um you know to some of the questions that are still outstanding from from season one and like you said to hopefully get some of that character arc you know that that we so desperately need from some of the characters i think that there was i think there was some good stuff allison wasn't too terrible she wasn't one of my favorite characters or anything, but, you know, I kind of like how she, you know, kind of had this whole story. Um, so I enjoyed that. Of course, Klaus was a treat, um, but I feel like there's a little bit more that, um, that we can get. I've got a few notes on here. Um, so we didn't really talk about Pogo. Um, I felt like that was an yes. underused character. Uh, his death, I, f- I felt pretty strongly for it, but I think I should have felt more strong about it. The one thing I did note, when he was in the hallways, he's telling all the kids to leave. Right behind his shoulder as he walks away, there was a like a how-to kind of poster for blocking, like you know, self-defense. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he basically blocked Vanya to let the kids get out. So he was yeah, kind I of think doing he was, some blocking. Yeah, I think he was creating that diversion to help them escape. Uh, let's see. Uh, when Diego was going back and digging into the rubble for, for their mom... Uh, oh, he stuttered. Yeah. He started to stutter. Yeah, which that was kind of that like kind of twisted my heart a little bit because you know it's it's I felt like of all the characters, the, him and the mom just had such a strong like connection. Yes, um, that got the, me. The playing of Barracuda in this episode was oh, well yeah. done. 
Uh, and then, of course, Klaus line of the episode. So as they're at the bowling alley and all these guys come in and start shooting, they're like, who are these guys? And Klaus is like, well, maybe they're here for Kenny's birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. I know that was in my notes, too. Oh, Jesus. I just laughed. That was so good. Yeah. I just, he had so many great lines during this whole series. And like that last one, um, or went from the last two episodes, and he's like, now you have to marry her. Yeah. <laughs> I will never get over that. I'm probably going to find a way to incorporate that in everyday use. I'm just going to oh, find yeah. a way to throw that in there. Nobody's going to understand the context. You walk um, with somebody and they hold the door for somebody like, oh my God, now you have to marry them. Marry her. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out because I just, I love him so much. I, he's, he's produced a fan for life um, in me. I'm, I don't care what else Robert Sheehan does. He is fantastic. Um, and I'm never going to stop gushing over him. So if y'all get tired of hearing about it, I'll just apologize in <laughs> advance because I'm probably going to talk about him. Even after um, this is all wrapped up, I'll probably find a, a way to bring him up in uh, non-related future episodes. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about Pogo. He was in my notes too. I, I thought he was mis- kind of a misused character, um, but... I'll tell you what kind of frustrated me with him, especially during these last two episodes, was I really, really wish Pogo from like day one, the kids show up to the mansion. They're saying goodbye to their father. They're all like have this misunderstanding with each other. They all haven't communicated. They all seem to really dislike each other for the most part. Um, And I really wish Pogo had walked in and said, okay, your dad is dead. Here's all your secrets. Here, Here's all of these secrets. Luther, he didn't do shit with your stuff on the moon. Yeah. Um, Vanya, he drugged you from the time you were like four years old and told you that you were ordinary and you're not. Um, and, you know, I wish that all the secrets had been told because he kept kind of walking in on these situations um, and be like, oh, yeah, I know. I knew that the whole time. And it's kind of like, um, why didn't you tell us that like days ago? I feel like, you know, again, with the whole communication thing here that's missing, that was one gripe that I had about Pogo. Cause I'm like, dude, you knew all these things. You knew what they did to, or what he did to Vanya and what he made Allison do to, um, you know, make her believe that she was ordinary. You knew that he sent Luther to the moon for no real reason other than to make him just feel like he had a purpose because he didn't quite know what to do with him after the accident. Um, He knew all of these things. And I feel like there could have been some things that, you know, um, that didn't have to happen because there was no communication. But again, would we have had a series if that's what have happened? It's like, okay, episode's over. uh, Now the series is over. Um, But that was my one gripe. Um, I wanted to just mention Aiden Gallagher, the actor that played number five. I can't get enough of how well he played this role he, where he's this old man uh, in this, you know, teenager's body. I think his timing with his lines and some of his comedic timing and his delivery was really great in so many scenes that um, it isn't mentioned enough. So I wanted to take a moment to do that now is, you know, if you really watch him, his timing is great. His, you know, attitude is really great of how he's got like this old geezer like um, attitude in this 
you know, um, teenager body. And that actor in real life is only 15 years old. Oh, wow. He so, seems like, I haven't really seen him in like in interviews, but he does seem like an old soul kind of person. Yeah, he, he does come off like he just is one of those old souls. And maybe that's what gave him the ability to play this really well. Um, but he seems to really have the chops um, for this role. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I thought he did a really great job. And um, he was kind of underappreciated. And I, I didn't realize, because you get so many actors who are, you know, they just look really young, um, but they're not. They're like in their 20s and they're playing teenagers. Hello, 90210. Um, some <laughs> of them did not look like they were teenagers. <laughs> they were playing teenagers. Um, but he but it, but he really is only 15. And I thought, well, that's pretty good acting for a 15-year-old to kind of, you know, play that type of character, um, this old man trapped in a teenage young teenage body. So I thought that was really good. Aiden Gallagher did a great job. Um, so I don't know. I'm really interested to see what they do in season two. Um, don't know when it's out. I've, I've looked ever since the announcement when uh, they said they were going to do it. We still don't know. So I don't have any news about that, but stay tuned. If we get, um, you know, any news about that and people are interested, I'll definitely put it out there. So I hope, I don't know. I had a good time. I hope everyone else had a good time with it too. It wasn't, um, it was a little different. I still think they could have shortened a few episodes. Yeah. I think but. it's kind of the curse of Netflix. Like I feel like the 10 episodes is the most financial like thing they can do, um, yeah. which works for binging. Uh, and I think we find in some of our shows, it's like, what well, it makes more sense for us to cover two? Uh, Cause like in this one, I think episode nine had a little bit of like set up for episode 10, but episode 10 was where a lot of the meat was. Yeah. I think sometimes they need to push people and say, you know what? You don't get 10, you get eight. Yeah. And <laughs> that kind of forces you to kind of tighten things up a little bit. Agreed. Because it can be done. Look at Game of Thrones. You know, no well, wasted moments. No spoilers. I mean, but episode one and two, you probably could have snuck in one episode with that, all that. <gasps> Do you think so? I think so. You could have made that uh, an hour and a half episode and been been good. Oh, I disagree. Mm. I disagree. I'm not going to give any spoilers either, but I, I think that so far the first two episodes of Game of Thrones have been absolutely pretty damn perfect. They've been, they've been good, but I think yeah. I think you could have given me one episode, hour and a half with a lot of that, and I would have been would have been in good good shape. We're going to have to have an offline conversation <laughs> about this, Sean, and I'm I'm going to sway you the other way. <laughs> That might be a fruitless endeavor. I don't know, but um, I, I pretty much, it's my mission in life to just get everyone on the same page as me with Game of Thrones. So I just, I want you to uh, uh, be on my side with things. Um, anyway, okay. Do you have any other notes or anything from the show? Anything nope. else you want to say? That finalizes my notes. Awesome. It does for me too. So we're going to go into one of my favorite parts of our show, and that's our listener feedback messages from the other 36. Maybe we'll hear from the other 36. Maybe. We still didn't get that, did we? (laughs) That's an Umbrella Academy versus the other 36. That's what season two will be. It's Maybe they're going to go find the other 36 to help them figure (laughs) out how to stop the apocalypse. These other 36 have to have some type of powers, right? That would be beneficial that they combine them all. I think so. Use them, harness them. They were created for a reason, whatever that reason was. I don't know. But yeah, that was another thing that we forgot to mention was that maybe we'll get them 
in the next one. But um, while we have messages from our other 36, we're going to start off this week with Doug Fick. He says, the name of the theater where V plays um, Vanya is called um, Icarus, named after the Greek god who escaped imprisonment with wings made of wax and feathers. He was warned not to fly too close to the sun, but he he did not heed the warning and the wax melted and he plunged to his death into the sea. Hmm. Vanya is sure deadly with her violin stick, Sean. Notice that they kept their bowling shoes on? It is official the moon is not made of cheese. We have a cliffhanger to season two. All in all, a fun watch. The music was phenomenal and a great character in the show. Was Ellen Page on Vanya's meds? (laughs) Because I thought her performance was quite bland. Or... Uh, say Ellen Pagey. I agree. Um, another great choice about another effed up family. Looking forward to our next adventure. Cheers. Um, he goes on to say his his feedback was in a two-parter. Um, he goes on to say, now, Vanya, how many times do I have to tell you to not maim the nannies? Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about that much. Yeah. That little sequence where she's uncontrollable I, and killing her nannies. Does she, she seem a little psychopathic Yeah, to was she killing real nannies too? Like, was the robot the one that finally stopped her? Because she's like, oh, Grace. I guess I can't kill this. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like Grace was created not just as a mother and nanny to the children, but um, out, out of necessity because Vanya kept... I don't know that she killed all of them. That first one, it looks like she slung into the blocks and she probably got hurt. Mm. Um, but she flung one out a window. Yeah. Willing to bet she had some either severe injury or she was probably dead. And um, Hargreaves is quickly sending out non-disclosure agreements and settlements um, <laughs> is what I'm guessing. Yeah, we didn't talk about that at all. I don't know. I, I have a hard time because I don't know if that was so much. Is that just her not understanding the differences maybe between wrong and right? We see the kids go out and they're killing people. The kids were killing people in that bank robbery scene that we saw them in from like the first episode. Ben unleashed his demon whatever and he's slicing people in half and ripping them in half. So they're killing people um, you know, with their powers. Does she just not understand that that's just not what you do? Did he, they not teach her like, we don't kill the nanny. We don't kill the help. I don't know. Um, reminds me of an interview with the vampire thing where Lestat are, uh, oh, and, yeah. and where they're teaching Claudia, you know, um, where they're like, you don't, don't like eat the help or whatever. Um, you know, don't suck their blood. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, he says, uh, I knew Allison would survive, but Luther, you have Simeon blood. Leonard is Joe in you, creepy stalker. <laughs> he thinks he knows what is best for Vanya and that she needs only him, and he got rid of people he felt was in her way. The way Vanya kills him reminds me of Carrie and how she kills her mother at the end with all the kitchen utensils. Mm. Oh, good callback. Um, bye, Leonard, you twerp. <laughs> I think one of the themes throughout the show uh, was a large part of episode nine was about finding your true identity. Who am I if I'm not trying to stop the apocalypse? Um, Game of Thrones spoiler, Vanya is the Night King, (laughs) destroying all her bad memories uh, room by room. Can you say Pogo stick too soon? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Um, Note to Pogo, if someone with apocalyptic powers asked you if you knew about them all along, go ahead and say no. What do you do before impending doom? You go bowling. Hazel, the things you do for love. The assassins (laughs) with the red goggles. Maybe they're here for Kenny's birthday. (laughs) Laugh out loud, funny Klaus, you are my MVP. I love that. Uh, Good thoughts, Doug. 
All right, so we got another email. It says, hey, guys, so Five was right about having to stop Leonard Harold to save the world, but it was just too late. I had really liked Pogo throughout the series, but knowing now that he pretty much had all the answers, what all could have been prevented if he had just told them all the truth after Hargreaves died? Speaking of Hargreaves, where or when was he in the flashback scene with the dying woman before he came to buy the umbrella shop? And what was in that jar that he released out the window? I read that in the comics he was actually from another planet. Might answer your question. Mm. I wonder if he actually caused all these children to spontaneously be born in the first place. Uh-huh. Oh. <clears throat> Love that Hazel and the Donut Lady. Oh, excuse me. Grabbed the handler's suitcase and managed to escape the apocalypse. I hope they ended up in a nice place. Saving the best for last. Klaus and Ben kicking ass in the theater was pretty freaking awesome. But the best Klaus quote is when the time cops showed up for the bowling alley. Maybe they're here for Kenny's birthday party. <laughs> Long live Klaus Hargreaves. Thank you guys so much for covering the show. Can't wait for season two, Jenny. <laughs> I'm, I just want to tattoo all of Klaus's quotes <laughs> somewhere on my body. I don't know. I just, I just can't with him. Um, I love all that. I think you've got some people agreeing a little bit with what you said. Did Hargreaves somehow with what he released in the jar? I, that's the only thing I can think of. It's like the Superman leaving his planet. Like you're saving, you know, your race. And maybe if he is from another planet, that's what it was. Like, well, because they were like, he knew about the apocalypse, right? So like he knew it was going to happen. That's what he told Klaus. He's like, I, you know, this is what I've been preparing you guys for is to stop the apocalypse, you know? Um, so he knew it was going to happen. Did he spontaneously release these spores out into the universe to impregnate, you know, random women? I don't know. Oh God, it sounds so weird, but, um, it's good to see that, um, like other people are kind of thinking the same thing. So it kind of enforces a little bit, um, we have also a voicemail from our loyal listener, Steve Brown. Hey, Rima and Sean, it's Steve, and uh, got some notes for Umbrella Academy uh, episodes nine and ten. And I uh, hope this doesn't go too long. I'll check the time, but uh, just horrified at how many nannies Vanya killed. It looked like three in all kind of different methods, but um, so I thought that was that was interesting. And the other children must not have have seen or been told about what happened with those other nannies. It looked like she didn't age during that little montage, so must not have covered very much time. I, I love the clever way that this show has of showing us the title card, the whole the Umbrella Academy thing. It's, it's been different every episode. Uh, I laughed at uh, Diego passing out at the sight of the needle and then Pogo <laughs> saying, stick him. Uh, the message from, um, from Allison on Vanya's answering machine, it, who still has an answering machine? It was just heartbreaking to hear that Allison reaching out and uh, Luther locking Vanya away. Of course, it, it wasn't right, but uh, he's lucky that she went unconscious when she did uh, because it was starting to rumble. And, you know, what exactly was he going to do with her? Um, but that final scene of episode nine oh, with, uh, with Vanya, uh, talking to her younger self, that, that was a little creepy. And do you think, was that a hallucination or was that just a, like a manifestation of of her powers uh, coming to light? Because, you know, her eyes change. And, and that that's, leads us right into episode 10 with those eyes um, that she has that, that uh, she's walking through and she's destroying the house and she's seeing the memories 
of, of everyone telling her that she's just ordinary and she doesn't matter and she's not important. And then, uh, you know, seeing that she's not uh, going to be part of the mission, part of that, uh, that photograph was just heartbreaking. Um, I thought it was cool that Ben saved Diego and uh, Klaus can't get them to understand or, or believe him when he's trying to tell him that later. Um, Allison, you know, Allison cutting her throat, that, that was an accident. She, she lost her temper. She didn't mean to do it. Uh, Leonard, you know, we could chalk Leonard up to like the heat of the moment, anger. Uh, but that Pogo killing was deliberate. That was on purpose. Um, I, I laughed when five said, uh, I'd rather chew my, my foot off, uh, my own foot off, um, off my own foot. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm running way, I'm going way over time. Um, Hazel figuring out that the hand, that the handler lied to them was, was pretty good. I thought something similar when she was telling them, you know, that uh, they were supposed to protect, protect Vanya until she caused the apocalypse. I kind of thought, well, then how are they going to get out? But, uh, um, so anyway, um, loved Klaus waving goodbye to the gunman as he's running, as he's running to dive through the, the, lane, <laughs> the, the bowling lane. That was, that was pretty funny. He looked back and, and gave a little wave. Uh, and then finally, the, just the cliffhanger ending and just that, that thought that I'm, I'm glad we know that we have a season two coming. And uh, sorry this went long. Talk to you later. That I like, was great. We hadn't mentioned much about the umbrella card, the title card that they showed. And I did really like that you kind of got, you kind of started looking for it. It's like, okay, it's on the umbrella, it's on the cup, it's on this. Yeah. I really thought that was kind of a cool little touch. I like it too. When they, um, they had such clever ways of showing it every time, you know, these last two is when Vanya lifts up her oatmeal bowl um, and you get it there when um, Hargreaves goes to the, uh, the umbrella store before it becomes the umbrella academy and he pops open the umbrella and, you know, that's kind of like the last little, ah, oh, you know, mm. that's where it kind of comes from. You know, the, um, where did he get the umbrella Academy? Well, it started out of this store um, that was for sale. So I love how it kind of tied all of that together. Cause I did think, I was like, how did he get the name? Where the umbrella Academy? What, what's, it seems like it was purposeful. So there must be a meaning to it, but what the hell is it? So it was kind of nice that we, that we got that. Um, I do like, he he raised the question about when Vanya was in the um, whatever the hell that contraption is that she was in um, when she was a child when they locked her up, um, and she's having that conversation like with her younger self. I think that was kind of a manifestation. I think we all probably kind of you know have those that our inner child kind of within us, and I think that was like a manifestation of um, maybe it was a part of her power kind of coming out, manifesting that, you know, to kind of drive her to kind of point her in the right direction of how she can harness the sound of her heartbeat, um, you know, to make her kind of think of that and trigger that, um, that she would able be able to use that to then harness her power and be able to break free. Um, so I think it was like a manifestation. Um, also he brought up a really good point about who has, um, uh, answering machine anymore. Did, did you notice how it feels like it's supposed to be set in our timeline right now, like 2018, 2019. Um, but it's like, they have some things that are kind of antiquated. Like everybody drives really old cars. Mm -hmm. They have like touch tone phones. Newspaper was still a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Answering machines, just how it was just kind of odd, you know, that the, the 
you know, you can't quite figure out the time period. It's like, you know, so maybe it almost makes, because I feel like if any, if anyone out there um, watches Legion, which is one of my absolute favorite TV shows that I'm so excited comes back um, this summer in June um, and just stay tuned because Jason and I do a podcast on that on podcast together, Legion, Legion cast. Anyway, that's kind of a, a show that's set in like today's time. But when you look at people's clothes, like some people, you can't tell there some people might be wearing like modern clothes. Some people are wearing clothes that look like they're from the sixties or the seventies. Um, the, the cars are kind of oldish. The technology is advanced yet looks like something from the fifties. Like it's kind of like very black mirrorish. Like black mirror does that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, especially that one episode, um shoot, I've already forgotten the the name of it, but the one with the little kids in the microchip. Oh yeah, which yeah. I won't say anything more than that because I don't want to spoil it too much for folks who haven't seen it. But I know you'll know what I'm talking about. Um yeah, a lot of that technology it's like very advanced, but it looks very antiquated. So this show kind of reminds me of that too like it's supposed to be pretty up to date but some of the things seem kind of outdated um so i I think it's kind of interesting to you know um that you know how they do that but that's a great voicemail um steve and thank you everyone that um you know took this ride with us um for the umbrella academy thank you all for taking the time to write in every week leave your voicemails and emails and instagram messages um, notes on Facebook. We appreciate you hanging with us and we hope that you stick around with us for the next. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Uh, so we're going to be taking a couple weeks off to rejuvenate and prepare for our next show, which I think we got some things we're going to do, but we're really getting ready for the one that starts July 4th, which is the stranger things season three. So mm-hmm. be prepared for some stuff. Check out all of our social media to see what's the next show we'll be covering. Yeah, we'll be releasing that really soon, and we're anxious to to kind of get back with you guys and hope that you'll stick with us when we come back. Um, well, and, and until then, you know, we're still going to be out there on social media, so please be sure to check us out um, and follow us for updates on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. Yeah, we had, I had asked last week for my birthday, which today's my birthday, um, that please go give us some likes on our Instagram page. And I got a handful of those, not as many as what I'd like. Come on guys, don't be lazy. Go just hit the like, hit the follow button. Um, you'll love me. I swear. I'm, (laughs) I'm awesome on there. Um, (laughs) go do that. But, um, also speaking of birthday there, I had a lot of, uh, birthday wishes from a lot of our listeners that sent me private messages, um, Facebook messages, um, and just all avenues of, of messaging. Um, thank you everyone, um, for, thanking or for wishing me a happy birthday. I really think it's super sweet that in our busy lives, people take the time when they think of you and take a few seconds to wish you a happy birthday and that to let you know that they're thinking of you. That really means a lot. So thank you everyone. Again, um, I've thanked everyone in private um, through messaging, but um, just to say again, thank you everyone for um, the well wishes. I appreciate and love all of you. Um, and you can also you can email me some birthday wishes if you want at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. 
You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Romance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 85, Changes and White Violin. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Jenny Ward is Strange Indeed. <laughs>